to start out by telling you about an experience I had. Anybody in here ever go to the chiropractor? I kind of like going to the chiropractor. I don't know about y'all. I, I enjoy it. But when you're laying there on the table, you're at their mercy, aren't you? You don't know what they're going to do to you. So, so the other day, well, it, I say the other day, it's been about a month ago, maybe, maybe six weeks ago, I went to a chiropractor here in Cookville. And uh, I, I, I have a lower back trouble, and, and basically a lot of times my whole body hurts, but we'll not get into that. But I was at the chiropractor, and, and uh, I was in there for my, my initial examination. They were going to try to figure out what was wrong with me. And uh, it didn't, they didn't have to come in there and ask me questions. If they had just said, what's wrong with you, I would have identified it real quick. And he comes in there, the, the chiropractor does, and he's this big muscular man, and he's got a mullet. And some of you may know who that is, and, and if you go to him right now, that's okay. Uh, and, and this may be a word of warning. I don't know. This is not about his chiropractic business. But he walks in there, and, and he's going over my chart, and he says, where do you work? And I said, well, I work at the, at, for the Cookville Free Will Baptist Church. He said, oh, what do you do? I said, I'm the pastor. He said, oh, you're one of the Baptists. Yeah, yeah, I'm one of those Baptists. And he proceeds to unload his theological beliefs on me. He begins by asking me about the book of Genesis. He says, what do you believe about creation? So I told him what I believed about creation and Adam and Eve and how they had children and how that Cain killed Abel and, you know, the, the, what we grew up understanding, right? Just basic stuff. He said, that's not what I believe. And when he said that, I should have just got, got up and walked on out right there. And he said, I believe that Satan got Eve pregnant. And that, and that was why we have Cain, and that Adam got her pregnant as well at the same time, and that that's why we have Abel, and that's why Cain killed Abel's because he was the son of Satan. You understand what kind of guy I'm working with here right at this point. Y'all, are y'all with me this morning? That's not the message, but you have to understand where I was at. Now, while, while he was telling me all this, he had a firm grip on my head and my neck. And was, he would tell me something, and, and, and at this point, I couldn't agree or disagree. I could just grunt, basically. And he would say, this is what I believe, and then he'd pop my neck. And then he'd flip me over and, and he'd keep working on me and, and he did a good job there. And then he said something, and this is where the message came from this morning. He said, he said and I'll tell you another thing I don't believe that you Baptists believe in. He said, I do not believe in the Trinity. He said, he said, he said nowhere in the Bible can you find the word Trinity. So I automatically, uh, while, while he was, you know, still had me in these positions, I rebuttaled really quick and said, you know what else you can't find in there? The word Bible. Does that mean it doesn't exist? And he just kind of looked at me real funny. You know, there's a, there's a lot of words that are not in the Bible that are still true. Would you agree with that statement? Did you know the word grandfather is not in the Bible? How many of you are grandfathers in here? I guess if you're a grandfather and it's not in the Bible, that means you must not exist, Right? That was what kind of logic I was working with. But, but a lot of times it seems as though in our Baptist circles, and, and we're a free will Baptist church, but we generally believe for the most part what most Baptists believe about the Trinity. We believe that the Trinity, what I mean by that, just in case you don't know what I'm talking about, is we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. There are three 
but they're one. And no, you, I'll, I'll admit to the guy this morning, you cannot find the word Trinity in the Bible, but over and over and over again we see the work of the Trinity. And so this morning I would like to, to focus in on the part of the Trinity that a lot of Christians like to kind of leave out or, or kind of like to ignore sometimes because it's something that, that if we're not careful we don't understand what the purpose of this part of the Trinity is. We can say, uh, pray to God the Father all day. We can say that Jesus died on the cross. But when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, people get nervous. So let's turn our Bibles to the book of Acts this morning. Acts chapter 2. We're going to read four verses. The first four verses of that chapter. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. And if you would stand to honor the reading of God's Word, I would appreciate that this morning. Acts chapter number 2, verse number 1. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Nothing, nothing anybody's never heard this morning. But the Bible says this, if you're there, say amen. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. And God, I thank you for the folks that are here. Lord, I just pray that you would bless them for their effort of being here this morning. And God, as we dive into your word this morning, God, I just pray that you would, Lord, open minds, God, and open people's hearts to receive it. And God, that you would give us ears not only to listen, but God, that you would give us ears to hear what you are actually saying. And God, I just pray that Christians would receive this message so that it could help them to grow closer to you, Lord. And if there's anybody lost in the house this morning, God, I just pray that they would receive this message unto salvation. And God, we lift you up, God, and we glorify you this morning because you are worthy. Lord, we praise you and we thank you this morning for the opportunity to stand here, Lord, and just, and just to dive into your word, God. I pray that you would help me to preach, give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Before I was a preacher, uh, a few of you may know this, and, and I promise I'm, I'm getting somewhere this morning. I, I, I used to sing with a gospel group. And when I sung with this gospel group, um, it, was, it was a group that was of a different denomination than we are. And so I, it was a learning experience for me. It, most of you know I play several different instruments. And so I would basically just play whatever instrument they needed me to play that, that night or, or whatever it was. And we would go to places. And so I got to go see a lot of different churches. And I, and I got to see good churches. I got to see bad churches. And then, believe it or not, just a few along the way, I got to see ugly churches. All right, and I'm not talking about buildings. I'm not talking about the people sitting in them. I'm just talking about the way they conducted service and what happened at these churches. Would, would you agree that there could be churches like that in this world? And, and maybe even in the area that we live in. And so, in, this, in these travels, uh, I'll just say this. The church, the, or the group that I was with, they, they were of the Pentecostal denomination. And I am not of the Pentecostal denomination. I'm a, I'm a free will Baptist. And so they would take me to these churches. 
And, and I, I got to experience a lot of things. And, and a lot of people, we would, we would go to these churches, and if, and if somebody got up and shouted, or if somebody ran the aisles, or if somebody, you know, there was a lot of amens, or if there was a lot of this and a lot of that, then people would say, hey, we've had a good service today or tonight. And they would say that the, the Spirit was with us. But I tell you what, I'll just be, just be quite honest with you that I've been in several churches and several services where there was a lot of stuff going on and there was a Spirit with us, but it was not the Holy Spirit. I tell you what, I, I went in one service one time and, and I tell you this, uh, uh, you know, it's very, very cautiously and Lacey was there with me and she's smiling right now because she knows what I'm about to say. And, and they got to doing some things that, that, that I thought were, were not led of the Holy Spirit and, and Lacey was standing next to me and I had my head down and, and I had my head down for two reasons. Number one, I didn't want to watch what was going on just to be honest with you and, and the, other reason I was, I, I was, the other reason I was praying that I got out of there alive, okay? There were no snakes were involved, if that's what you're thinking. And I look up, and Lacey's gone. And, and the banjo player that was with the group, he was gone. And I'm standing there in a the pew by myself in the middle of this, thinking, God, it's not in this. But man, people were yelling, people were shouting, people were doing this and that, and, and there was even some people laid out in the floor. Now that would scare some of you to death, wouldn't it? And I was, I was a little worried in that service. But, but so people, what, what we tend to do is, and I t I'm telling the truth, right, Lacey? All of that happened. I am not lying. And I'll tell you the full story, and I can tell you where it was. If you, that way you won't have to go there if you want to meet me after church. But let me tell you this, that a lot of times when we think of the Holy Spirit, we all almost automatically think of some sort of experience where some thing, some big, big event happens, or, or there's a lot of noise and a lot of movement and all this but that is not the only job of the Holy Spirit amen can you must understand can the Holy Spirit move in that way absolutely he can and in fact when he does I rather enjoy it don't you Hey, when people are saying amen and, and when the Spirit of God is in the house and, and good things are happening and people are putting their hands in the air and, and maybe somebody shouts if, if God is in it then I am for it but if we're doing it just to work up a show I'm not in it I'm not for it, uh, because we're not here to put on a show for anybody. We're here to worship God. And so we get to the book of Acts here, and we read about the day that the Holy Spirit shows up and something happens in the history of the Bible that completely changes uh, the church and, and the serving God. It, it completely just flips everything upside down. See, the Spirit of God has always been. The Holy Spirit has always existed. As long as God has existed, the Holy Spirit has existed. He didn't just show up on the day of Pentecost. He was at creation. He moved on people in the Old Testament. He was never in anybody in the Old Testament. But, but I can show you example after example where the Holy Spirit would show up and He would be on people like Samson. He would be on people like King David. And, and He would be on people like Elijah and Elisha. And so many people that the Spirit of God worked through in the Old Testament. But then we get to Acts and something changes. See, 50 days prior to this, Jesus had been crucified. 
And he had been hung on a cross. And if you recall back to when Jesus had been crucified, when, when he said, it is finished, what happened that right at that moment? It said that the, the, the veil in the temple tore in half from top to bottom. Is everybody familiar with that? Kind of understand what I'm talking about? And when that happened, God's glory, God's Shekinah glory was able to leave the temple and it was able to go out. And when Jesus died on the cross, God began to deal with us in a different way. And so and, uh, 50 days after that took place we have the filling of the Holy Spirit and it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven and it says it was like a rushing mighty wind so everybody gets that in their mind kind of has their idea and it said and it filled all the house when they were where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each one of them. So it's setting on them, right? You're with me. Remember, the Holy Spirit used to get on people, right? And it says that it sat on them. And it says that it was like cloven tongues of fire. But then verse 4, here's where the change occurs. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, capital S, see that in your Bible, capital S, that makes Him a person, makes Him an individual as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now what a lot of people would stop and say right here, a lot of, of other denominations, and I'm not here to preach free will Baptist denomination, but we're a free will Baptist church, so I think we ought to talk about it sometimes, right? You say amen to that? And so we see here that, that it says that they began to speak with other tongues. And a lot of people would read this and they would say, well, you know how you know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Because you start speaking in tongues. Now, if you're here this morning and you've spoken in tongues, you and I probably would disagree what speaking in tongues should entail. And I'm not going to get into that real deep, and that's not my message this morning. But I want to tell you this, that a lot of denominations tell you that when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, then you will speak in tongues. That's not true. That is not true at all. There were a lot of people that, that would, would, would disagree with that, a lot of theologians. But even the Apostle Paul said that he would rather speak 10,000 words that you can understand to glorify God than 10 that you couldn't. Or maybe it's vice versa, 10 that you could and 10,000 that you couldn't. George, I saw George, yeah, George is my Bible scholar in here, and George said, that ain't right, brother. But let me, let's get this straight, that when, when you are born again, when you become a Christian, not only is your sin lifted away and you are forgiven of your sins, but then you are actually filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've heard people argue and, and they'll say, well, you know, I believe that you don't get all of the Holy Spirit at once. And they will, they'll say, well, you know, I think you get a little of him, and as you live right, you know, you'll, you'll get a little more spiritual, and you'll get a, a little more of this, and you'll get a little more of that. Well, let, me, let me put it in human terms that you would understand, and, and maybe this, this will make sense to you. We've established, hopefully, that the Holy Spirit is a person. Do you believe that this morning, that he is a person, part of the Godhead, right? And by the way, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to... not putting anything down this morning but but John 16 says that the Holy Spirit is a he and I'll get to that later so if I say he or him uh, the Holy Spirit this morning is not an it okay there's not it it's he 
Okay, and so what if when you got married, get this, let's say that, that, let's say I'm just looking at George and Holly this morning, let's say back in 1974, I was going to say five, so that was close, I didn't want to say 1960 something because I knew y'all be mad at me after church, but back when y'all got married, could you imagine if George was standing there at the altar and Holly walked up to him and she gave her vows and she says, well George, here's my hand and if you live right and you, you do good for a little while with my hand, then I'll give you a little bit more. I might give you my arm in a month or two. Nobody gets somebody in pieces. Okay, do you understand that? So you cannot get a person, which is the Holy Spirit, a little bit at a time. You just can't do it. You either get all of somebody or you don't get any of them can you say amen to that does that make sense is everybody with me here when you get saved and, and when when Jesus saves you he doesn't save you just a little bit he saves you all the way because God never does anything halfway God never does anything in a partial manner it's either all or nothing with God same way with the filling of the Holy Spirit you don't just get a little bit of the Holy Spirit you are filled with the Holy Spirit the day that you are saved now, in light of the fact that, that, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, you say, well, well, why is there not more people shouting? Why is there not more people doing this and more people doing that? And that's a good question I'd like to know, but let me understand and, and throw this out there to you. that the, the Holy Spirit, He has many more jobs in the Christian's life than just to get a stir out of you in a church service. Amen? In fact, I would go as far as to say this, that that is probably one of the lesser jobs that he has in your life is, is to make you feel good or to make you do, you know, some things. But yet he, he has many jobs in our life. The first job that he has is this, is that he guides us or that he counsels us on where we should go. You know why the church is, is so messed up today? You know why a lot of things are messed up and a lot of marriages are messed up and, and the world is, is just pretty messed up? Because we're not under the guidance of the Holy Spirit like we should be. Would you say amen to that? A lot of, a lot of uh, people and, and preachers even, I would say this, and even myself sometimes, sometimes I do things... And I'm not proud of this, but, but I, 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 I just, it's not under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes I've done things as a pastor, and, and I've probably done it here, and I can't think of any examples right now, thankfully, or God would make me tell you what they were. But, but there's probably been times that I've been here that I've, I've done things without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And when you start doing things as a Christian without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, then guess what? It's probably going to be wrong. Now, sometimes we can accidentally make a right decision. Sometimes, you know, we can, we can do the right thing or we kind of know what to say. But for the most part, I want you to understand that if you're not doing things under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that there's a good chance that we can mess something up real bad. Amen? And so He counsels us. He guides us. And in fact, He, he speaks to us. He communicates with us. Now you say, how does, how does the Holy Spirit communicate? And, and you're thinking, well, I must go in my office and, and close the door and that God audibly speaks to me. Absolutely not. That does not happen. I have never heard the voice of God. I wish I could. And maybe, maybe you're different. And, but, you know, I would, I would tend to maybe argue that a little bit. But if you want to hear the voice of God and the Holy Spirit speak to you, you may tell you what to do. Just open your Bible. 
pray a little bit. Just open this and, and ask, ask God to guide you through His Word. And I guarantee, absolutely guarantee, that He will speak to you through this Word. Do you know how I know He will speak to you through this Word? Because He spoke to, to godly men to give you this Word. Do you understand that? I'm going to read you a verse if that's okay. And, and let's go over maybe to John chapter 16. John chapter 16 and verse 13. I'm going to read it to you. I, I kind of made it, uh, I alluded to it a moment ago. But it says, How be it when he, you see that when he, is everybody with me? John chapter 16, verse number 13. How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, capital S, is come, he will guide you unto all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. And we can go on and we could read more. It says, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. Now understand, we see there that the Holy Spirit is a he, but it says that he will guide you in all truth. That means that the Holy Spirit cannot lie. He cannot misguide you. In fact, the Holy Spirit Himself doesn't actually do the guiding, but, it, but it's God, the Father. Do you understand that? That that is the mode that God the Father works through to move you and I in the fashion that He wants us to move, in the way He wants us to go, and, and to do what He wants us to do. And as he's speaking of this, I would tend to think just, just reading the context of the entire chapter that Jesus is personally speaking to his disciples in this. And I would like to think that when he says and when he will show you things to come, maybe that he's talking to, to John the Revelator when he said that. You ever think about that? But maybe he looks at John and he says, John, he said, I'm going to show you things to come. Because if you read the book of Revelation, it says that John was what? In the Spirit on the Lord's Day, right? And so the Holy Spirit, he communicates with us and he counsels us. But it would be sad if the only thing that we got from him was just guidance and where to go. And that, that he was no more than basically just a, a biblical or a scriptural GPS. I and mean, as long as we followed him, we would be on the right path. That would seem kind of mechanical and robotic, wouldn't it? Just making sure that we just lined up with him. And as long as we're going this way, we're in the will of God. But I want you to understand that he does more than that. That he also not only counsels us, but, but church, he gives us comfort this morning. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say that, that sentence, that the Holy Spirit will comfort you? I understand what that means. I want, you to, I want you to hear this this morning, that if you're lost here this morning, that you don't understand what I'm talking about. That you can't understand the comfort of God that He can give us. We go to John chapter 14, and, and I'll, just, uh, I'll just read maybe one verse out of that. And this is very familiar John 14 and uh, verse 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and this is Jesus speaking, And I will pray the Father that He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth in you, and shall be where? In you, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. 
And then I'll read verse 26 of the same chapter. It, it mentions him by this name again. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. He is the Comforter this morning. A lot of us are dealing with, with hard things right now. I can imagine this morning as, as I think about Sister Carrie Clinton. Remember we requested... Uh, requested prayer her for her dad earlier sister Carrie she's a Christian and and I'm not and and she would she might not want me to say this so so just don't tell her I said it okay and hopefully she won't watch the video but but y'all would all agree with me that that Carrie is is a very is a, a person that that she'll just let the spirit work in her in a church service would y'all say amen to that and she's not ashamed and I say amen to that don't you and I'm proud of her for that but right now if she sat by her dad's bedside, I would, I, would, I would venture to say that she's probably not sitting there just smiling and laughing and raising her hands and shouting amen. But yet the Holy Spirit, He is still working in her life this morning. He is still with her wherever she is this morning. I, th I think maybe in a hospital in Nashville last I understood that wherever she is, that she can still be comforted by the presence of God in her. I look at, around the room and I see people, I see several widows sitting here that, that I've held the, the funeral of their husband since I've been here. Sister Vivian, you're one of them. And I understand it's hard, isn't it, sister? And I'm, I'm not trying to pull you out, but you're just sitting right here and you're easy to, to see right there sitting on the front row. But you would be the first to testify that God has had to comfort you through this situation. Amen? And that He's had to take us through things that we didn't want to go, to go through. How many of you have had to deal with cancer or heart attacks or, or deal with diabetes or pain every day and, and dealing with all these physical ailments and, and not only physical ailments but also spiritual ailments. You know, things that, that you, you don't feel pain in your body but you feel pain in your mind and pain in your soul. And the only thing that we have to lean on in this world that we live in is the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I'm glad God sent him to us, aren't you? And I'm glad that, that we don't have to go hunt him down. You know, that's a wonderful thing. And if, if I want to talk to somebody, a lot of times, even Lacey, I have to go find her sometimes, you know. She may be, you know, on the other side of the house. She may be somewhere else. And so I may not be able to talk to her. But what's beautiful about it is that the Holy Spirit at any time, wherever you're at, can comfort you as, as more than anybody else could comfort you. And you don't have to go find Him because He's already with you. I say hallelujah to that this morning. What a wonderful thought that God is in us. Like I said, I, I, I like a good, good shouting service. I like to see people get excited. But you know what I like to see more than anything? is And, and don't take this the wrong way, but I like to see when Christians are going through hard times. All right, bear with me. What I like to see is that they are comforted by the Holy Spirit. That to me is, is, is worship right there. So, wouldn't you agree with that? That if you, you know, people go through things, and I've seen people go through things that would make me lose my mind, probably. I mean, I, I've been through a few things. I, you know, I lost my mom, and, and I'm, I'm going through some things right now with, with my body. That, but, you know, nothing too major yet. 
But I've seen people lose a lot of stuff. I've seen people go through things, and yet they still have their mind and their wit. And most importantly, you know what they do? They still serve God every single day. Why is that? Because they have the comfort of God in their lives. What a wonderful opportunity to serve a God who gave someone to comfort us. He does all these things. And then, then he does something, that, and maybe I should have included this earlier. But, but he, he, he comforts us, he communicates for us, he, he counsels for us. And every once in a while, here's everybody's favorite thing that the Holy Spirit does and his favorite work is he has to chastise us sometimes. You ever been, you ever been chastised by the Holy Spirit? See, when I grew up, um, I, and I've said this before, in fact, I think I was standing right here when I said it, but it's worth saying again. At my house, we didn't get whippings. We didn't get spankings. I, up until I went to like school in kindergarten, I never knew what time out was or sitting in the corner. I just got a whooping. Y'all know what a whooping is? Is there a difference in a whipping and a whooping? Would y'all say amen to that? Anthony's nodding his head. Brother Mike, you did a good job, brother, if Anthony's nodding his head. <laughs> but let me tell you this, that, that sometimes, and, and this may be in different situations, uh, sometimes we get ahead of ourselves. Sometimes we find ourselves with things in our lives that we shouldn't have and find our place, ourselves in places we shouldn't be. And the Holy Spirit has to show up. I want to read you a little bit of, of Hebrews chapter 12 verse number 6 it says for whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth if you endure chastening God dealeth with you as sons for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not and I want to say that this morning I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit does all these wonderful things for me, communicates and counsels and, and comforts, but, but you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that every once in a while God has to get my attention. You know what that tells me more than anything? That I'm saved. That even when I find myself sort of slipping away, sort of getting into things, dabbling in places that I shouldn't be, that, that if, if God deals with you, that if, if something rises up in you and lets you know that you have done something wrong, then that means that God is dwelling in you. I say praise the Lord for that. All of us need to be straightened out sometimes, don't we? All of us need to be dealt with in a certain way sometimes, and God has a way of dealing with us. And God has a way of doing things in our life that, that we don't like sometimes. But guess what? It's all part of the, the process of growing as a believer. It's all part of the process. So when, when God chastises you through the work of the Holy Spirit, don't get mad at God. Don't, don't go off and, and say, well, I'm not going back to church because you know this happened and, and God did this to me. You know what? Say, thank you, Lord, that the Spirit is in me. Thank you, Lord. I'll tell you what, I, I personally think, I think if, if a few more people would be obedient to the chastising of the Holy Spirit, we could have a whole different church, couldn't we? I, I think we could have a whole different country. We could have, we could have uh, more people saved than ever if more people would just be obedient to the Holy Spirit and what He says and does for us. 
It's not just about the shouting. It's not just about the singing. It's not just about all these things, but it's about actually going out every single day and living your life with the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. I have a quote here from a guy named A.W. Tozer. Some of you may have heard of him. He says that the power of the Holy Spirit is therefore not optional but necessary. Without Him, the children of God simply cannot live the life of a Christian. The hindrances are too many and too effective. My, my pastor, uh, I say he's my pastor, my former pastor, I guess brother, brother Rudy Oaks, he always says this, and he says that the Christian life is impossible to live. And I say it is. You can only live the life as a Christian if you're empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. This is something that you cannot do on your own. If we would have been left to, to live our lives by ourselves and, and if God would have just left us to our own devices, we would be in very deep trouble. If you don't believe me, see Genesis chapter 2. Amen? But I am so thankful that God sent us the Spirit so that when I leave here, because, because it's easy to say amen and it's easy to, to be comforted when we're amongst our believers and amongst our friends and all these things. But it gets a little harder when we walk out those doors out there, don't it? It gets a little harder when we have to get up on Monday morning and go, go to a workplace that's full of ungodly people or have to deal with family members that may be ungodly. Anybody ever have to deal with that? No, surely nobody here's ever dealt with those things. And you know how you can get through life like that? With the help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. He does one more thing, and he has many jobs, but I'm going to talk about this in, in returning to the book of Acts. Return over to the book of Acts, and I'm just going to read one more verse and uh, we'll be done in, ju in just a few minutes. Just bear with me for just a, a couple of more minutes. And so we return to the book of Acts. And when the apostles, they, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, when, when He came down and He filled them, it said that they began to speak with tongues. And, and I'm going to read on just a little bit and give that a little bit of context. And I'm going to read verse 4 again. It says, And when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Why were they confounded? Because that every man heard them speak in his own language. So there's your little context and a little background for Acts chapter 2. Is that these tongues that they were speaking in were not unknown tongues, but they were languages that everybody in the streets were speaking. And so when the Holy Spirit filled them that day, they went out and they began to preach Jesus. See, remember when I talked about John chapter 16, that when the Spirit comes... And gives you that truth. It says in this verse again. I'll read it. John 16, 13. For he shall not speak of himself. See, uh, something that we can make the mistake of sometimes. And a lot of churches do. Is, is that if we're not careful. We'll worship the Holy Spirit himself. But we're to worship God the Father. Do you understand that this morning? And that when the Holy Spirit does something for you in your life. That he is simply pointing back to God. 
But then they begin to preach this message and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know, they don't go out in the streets and begin to preach that the Holy Spirit died on the cross for them. Even though He's one and the same. And guess who they talked about dying on the cross? Jesus. And so He went out there and the Holy Spirit began to speak of Jesus and use these men who were fishermen and, and who were just, just one time they're called ignorant and unlearned men. And they preached such a powerful message in Acts chapter 2 verse 37 I'm going to read just a little bit here bear with me it says and now when they heard this when they heard about Jesus who was crucified when they heard this they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do see the Holy Spirit also and, and probably more than anything is, is most important right now is that He convicts lost people. Because you don't get saved unless the Holy Spirit draws you. You don't get saved unless the Holy Spirit deals with your heart. I want you to understand that this morning that you cannot ask Jesus into your heart on your own terms. But you have to be drawn by the Spirit of God. And, and I can tell you this morning that the Holy Spirit, He is in this place. And it may be kind of a cliche, but I'll say it. I know He's here because He's in me. And if you're saved, He's in you. But the Spirit of God is, is dealing with people this morning. I, I know that He is. And it may be that He's dealing with you, that, that you need to communicate with Him more, that you need, to, you need to follow His guidance more. But most of all, more than anything, if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you to be saved, do not reject Him. Amen? Because it's not something that God promises will always be dealing with you. It's not, he's not somebody that will always give you chance after chance. Is God a God of many chances? He is. But how many chances have you already rejected? How many times have you already turned the Holy Spirit away? I know that when I needed to be saved, I turned the Holy Spirit away several times, didn't you? Did, you, did you, anybody in here besides me turn God away more than one time? Surely everybody in here, on the first time God called, came running to the altar. That's baloney. All right? But let me understand that if, if the Holy Spirit, if He is dealing with you this morning, you need to be saved. You need to ask Jesus into your heart so that you can have the comfort of God, so that you can have the guidance of God. Hey, you may be successful this morning. You may have made it pretty far in life, and you may be doing pretty good on your own, but you can do a whole lot better with God in your life and in the center of God's will simply by listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you once again this morning. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for, for being a three-part God. Lord, I, I worship you as God the Father this morning. And I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. And God, I thank you that you sent us, you in the form of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, whatever it may be, the Holy Ghost, however we want to phrase it this morning. God, you are here among us. And Lord, I thank you for that. God, I'm thankful that I don't have to go to a, a, a temple this morning and, and, and confess my sins to a priest and, and just kind of stay outside of the veil. And, and Lord, you, you're, just, you're just over there. But God, 
and the Holy Spirit, you're here this morning. Lord, I thank you. God, I pray that you have spoken to hearts this morning. God, I pray that you have opened people's eyes to, to the need and to, to see that you're, you're on their side and that you're with them. And Lord, we thank you for that. But God, I pray most of all that if you have dealt with somebody, that they would surrender to you this morning and quit putting it off. God, I just pray that you would move on people and God, that you would help people to understand that they need you as their Lord and Savior. And God, we praise you and we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name.